You're listening to Circle of Hope Sunday Meeting Podcast. This talk was given at 2309 North Broad Street. For more information, check out circleofhope.net or join us in person on Sunday evenings at 5 and 7 p.m. So one of the things, I, this is one of the best things I do. Elise and Taya and I and Alice sometimes, we, uh, we hang out on uh, Temple's campus. This happened. That's me. And there's Elise and Taya. We have a sign that says, tell me your story. And we try to uh, procure stories from people and get to know them. Um, and it's hard to do because it's such a strange thing. And sometimes you collect very interesting stories. I'm trying to collect like 300 this year or something. And I forget what number I'm at, but I'm, I'm a slightly off track, uh, like behind schedule here. So uh, if I need to meet you, let me know. You know, or if you know like an uncle or someone that I should meet, I can talk to them and take their picture and put it on Tumblr. So anyway, these two uh, missionaries, they were on a mission trip. Do you guys know what that is? You go somewhere else to do a special kind of thing, usually with a church. They were from Virginia Tech. They came up to the godless Philadelphia to save us. Um, sorry, I'm not trying to be too contemptuous there, but I'm just saying, you know, they came, to, they came up to me and talked to me about Jesus. And I thought it was pretty good. So I just engaged them. And I told them. I wasn't like messing with them. Like I was on the, I wasn't trying to fake not be a Christian. I just said, look, I'm a pastor. I'm like a super Christian. So um, we can do this thing, but I'm, down. I'm pretty down with Jesus already. Um, just so you know. But they were interested in me figuring out what they were doing. So I was a good guinea pig, as, the, as it were. Um, for their project. And I think it was pretty cute, actually. I, I enjoyed it. Um, the whole idea, the whole premise. They had these uh, cards, and they had big questions about the, the world, who Jesus is, the nature of God, the purpose of life, um, human nature. Huge philosophical question. Where does truth come from? And there's like six options. You've got to pick the right one. Um, and I tried to minimize my typical deconstruction of such a thing, because that's how I work. I kind of break things apart to find out what they're made of. So the questions are almost as good as the answers. And it was stimulating, and I was grateful for the chance to do that. Um, but one of the questions they asked that stumped me, do we have a picture of them, too? Here they are. This, this is my Tumblr, too. I wrote about them here. One of the questions they asked me that stumped, that, that stumped me was about what's the purpose of, of human life and who was Jesus? And the cards that they had on the, on the ground there uh, had single answers on them, like I said. And I, you're, I think you're only supposed to pick one, but I collected them. <laughs> I had like five for each one because I was like, I like all these. Um, you can imagine me doing this. <laughs> And, one, and, and, and the purpose of life, I picked, one of them was like to serve the poor, and then there was a lot of other ones. I picked that one in addition to others. And then one about Jesus, he was wearing like a Che Guevara hat, like a revolutionary. And I was like, oh, I got to pick Che Jesus too, among other ones. You know, I had a lot to, I had a lot, uh, to collect from because those two, serving the poor and being the Cuban revolutionary, they're part of who Jesus is, even, though, even if they don't tell the whole story. Um, they want the whole thing, but I picked them anyway because I knew they were at least part. 
And the temptation for me, uh, for some of us, I include myself in this little straw man description that I'm about to uh, have, straw person description, I should say, is that uh, Jesus becomes some sort of a revolutionary who provides means for those who don't have it. That'd be a nice thing, considering where I come from, how I think. And for some of you, you would like that too. Um, he becomes a kind of a welfare king. You know, and I don't mean welfare pejoratively. Um, you know, someone who cares for others and their well-being. A Lord who provides for the poor. I think that's good. But I want to talk more about this later because I, I want to tread carefully when it comes to this subject. But I first want to think about how uh, economics can dominate our thinking so much that we might think that providing for the poor is a form of salvation or collecting as much wealth as we can is another expression of our salvation. You could really go both ways. In theological terms, and we have this too, Jeremy, it's the difference between a liberation theology and the prosperity gospel. You can Wikipedia that later or now. It doesn't matter. You can look, I don't care if you look at your phones. You're going to do it anyway. So here's the non-guilt moment for you. You can look at your phone during this meeting. You don't have to hide it. Although don't text. Some, some of you text me during the meeting. <laughs> so don't, you can do that. Just I'll get back to you later. Um, <coughs> liberation being uh, the idea that our salvation comes from an institutional or political change on one hand, or that our holiness is measured by how much wealth we can acquire. These extreme ends, which often disagree with each other, but even, even if they don't directly clash, um, might not be where the answer is. I think that we need to see, we, I think we see the world this way, though, because we're indoctrinated with these ideas from an early age. Now, I have a few movie scenes to show you about this. I was only supposed to have one, but then I couldn't decide. And so I thought they were both good. Here's the first one. You gotta make it loud for us, Jeremy, when you can. <coughs> you might know this movie. I hope it works. Doesn't work. Oh no! It's from Aladdin. You guys know this movie? And he, it's, it's like one of the first scenes and it kind of sets the whole scope for the movie. It's a... Uh, uh, where he steals the loaf of bread and he uh, one jump ahead, right? That's the song and he runs around from the uh, guards Trying to uh, save himself this poor boy that needs this food because he's broke. He doesn't have a job so I thought of that because uh, Food is a necessity that's been commodified and now not everyone can get it When someone tries to steal it, they suffer a consequence in this case, all these guards are running after Aladdin. But of course, I think in a more in a probably more famous scene, um, in Les Misérables, right, where Jean Valjean steals the loaf of bread for his family who's hungry, and then he goes to jail for five years, and then it's like nineteen years, two, four, six, so one. And it's this great scene with Javert where they're where they're singing and debating back and forth. It, um, even the, well, the, the one that came out a few years ago is pretty meaningful, too. Um, hunger is a basic aspect of our Lenten season. During Lent, 
A lot of us withdraw and withhold. We fast, sometimes from food. And the idea that we can get closer to God by not eating this basic necessity kind of throws a wrench in the narrative that the loaf of bread gives us hope. It's complicated. And it's not so easily reducible. So try not to do that. It's a complicated idea. I think Lent is a good time to resist our material needs and resist the idea that all we need is stuff for our sufficiency. If we just have our base needs covered, we'll be okay. Our Lenten journey puts us in solidarity with Jesus' sufferings <coughs> while he fasted in the wilderness for 40 days. And as we, uh, we're going to look at a piece of the story each week when he, he is tempted by the devil after he fasts. I hope that we consider what we need to resist. And today we're thinking about resisting even our, our sense of scarcity um, and our um, need for material um, support. External <coughs> forces were resisting internal dilemmas. And as we walk with Jesus in his sufferings, we can become more conscious of him walking with us walking with us through ours. So let's see Jesus address the very issue at hand in this passage as we walk with him through the temptations. He's in the desert. He's fasted for 40 days, so he hasn't eaten anything for 40 days. The Holy Spirit brings him there, kind of right, to, uh, right on the brink, in order to be tempted by the devil. <coughs> And first, he's tempted with the very thing that Aladdin in 24601 stole. This simple loaf of bread, right? Do we have this passage up here? I hope this part works. Someone read this out loud, will you, from Matthew 4? <coughs> the tempter came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But he answered, it is written, one does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. He's hungry, and the first thing, thanks Charles, that he's tempted, that tempter tempts him with, is this, uh, this food, turning these boulders into loaves of bread. He's tempted to use material goods to satisfy him instead of God. Intentionally withholding from food in order to rely more on God comes with a lot of temptations. This might be a little overstated, but we may even be tempted to save ourselves, find salvation through material wealth, and the love of money seems to permeate every sector. It's hard to escape. It's an important point to think about, though. Is Jesus saying poverty is a virtue? That he's not interested in us sharing things in common? Caring for the poor? And so on. This week a bunch of Christians were saying, this is a little troubling, this is a rough week for the poor if you're paying attention. Um, a bunch of Christians are basically saying that Jesus wasn't concerned with the poor very much. And so the United States shouldn't be either. Someone, someone was uh, using that part of the Bible where Jesus is quoting the Pentateuch and he says, the poor you will always have with you. 
Moses completes the thought and he says basically, and care for them, care for the needy in your land and provide for them. The idea that the poor will always be with us somehow became a justification for just like letting them be, stay poor or something like that. Um, so we hear this kind of thing that, you know, in, in, in one way of reading the Bible or following Jesus, you might think that he's not concerned with the poor. But is that what's going on here when he's resisting material wealth or a material good for the sake of his own um, impoverishment and suffering? The devil invites Jesus here to abuse his power for personal ends rather than for the Father's purposes. God has something that he wants Jesus to do with his power. And the devil, the tempter, is calling him to misuse his power. Jesus wasn't a magician. He wasn't trying to demonstrate power over the created order. Rather, he wants to obey God. His opponents see his power as magic. And so they, they, they tell him that you get your healing power from the devil, from pagan gods. They attribute it that way. So Jesus does, isn't misusing his power. He wants to follow his father like a true prophet. Jesus is sympathetic to how the Father sees the world and he wants to work with him. And, and later on we'll say that two of them are one. Is Jesus supposed to just be the welfare king? One who distributes freely without ever questioning the origins of the problem? Systematic and personal. Is he just giving to the poor and never questioning how they got there? Is he just the king of philanthropy? One writer, one writer called uh, succumbing to this temptation, not preaching God's judgment on the greedy, just distributing bread to the hungry. Do you see the difference there? Jesus wasn't a baker or a magician just trying to fix the world's problems. He wasn't just trying to help the poor with material goods. Rather, it was his very body that was, his, that was bread and broken for us. Jesus' messianic identity as, a, as the savior of the world was not revealed by turning boulders into loaves, but by allowing his life to be broken for others. He doesn't make bread because he is the bread. He is the provision for the poor. It's not just an economic modification. When the, here's a, a quote I, I hope that you'll uh, leave with. When the values of Jesus' upside-down kingdom become our bread of life, the economic institutions of society lose their grip. So it's a different kind of subversion. He doesn't use the tools of the system to subvert it. He offers something else. Jesus is doing a radical thing here. And he might be establishing a new order, inaugurating a new kingdom. Lent will give us that moment of inauguration when he triumphantly enters the city. He's giving us a new way of doing things. But he brings it to us in such a unique way, in, in a unique capacity, where uh, we're moved to employ the same strategy, get into the same struggle, point people to Jesus,
not just for personal material fulfillment, but because in spite of it, we can find wholeness and peace and satisfaction. You don't need to be wealthy to be fulfilled. Following Jesus means that we don't simply pursue our material desires, but following him also means that we create a world where desires are fulfilled, and more so, and even more than that. Jesus changes us, and a benefit of our transformed self is uh, an alleviation of injustice. The revolution that comes, the redemption that follows in the world and, and allows these economic systems to lose their grip is a uh, byproduct of a greater change that happens among us. It overflows from us. It begins when we consume the uh, bread of life. So for us, we have to look at what our resistance of material wealth actually does to us and to our hearts and to our neighbors. When we say no to more stuff, what contribution do we bring, and what um, piece of the society are we resisting? What in our hearts are we resisting? Is the solution to the world's problems resisting the solutions the world espouses? You know, how revolutionary can your fast be? I hope we can keep thinking about that, and you'll have a chance to in a moment. Let's pray as we end, and then you'll have a chance to talk back. Move in us, Lord. <coughs> And help us to think about what uh, temptations we have, what proverbial pr uh, boulders we want to turn into loaves, and how our resistance of that kind of immediate self-satisfaction changes our hearts and changes the world around us. Amen. Thanks for listening to Circle of Hope Sunday Meeting Podcast. If you want to talk about it or get connected to a cell, you can find one under our Connect tab at circleofhope.net.